0: Trials of life are found in scriptures often. They often parallel modern day events that are occurring right now. Especially in the Psalms, Proverbs, a lot of that's discussed. The recurring theme is the flourishing or prospering of the wicked and the affliction of the righteous. I think we see a lot of that going on today. As a matter of fact, tonight we'll be looking at a certain psalm, we're gonna unpack it, we're gonna unpack God's commands that are in that particular psalm, or His precepts, and it's gonna instruct us how to remain strong during times like these. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, tonight we just ask that your Holy Spirit illuminate the text tonight. Lord, that you, uh, you bring a, a fresh revelation from your word, Father. That only the Holy Spirit can do, Lord. We also lift up those who are not here tonight. We have some members of our body that are are, uh, not well, but they're on the mend. Lord, I ask that your healing power will allow their bodies to continue to heal well and to strengthen them, Lord. And again, be with us tonight as we open your word and learn from your precepts and what you have to say, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, turn, if you will, to Psalm 37. That's where we're going to be tonight, Psalm 37. And in that psalm, we're going to actually learn what the Lord commands us to do during times like we are in. The psalm in its entirety really speaks of the wicked and the prospering of the wicked and then the affliction of the righteous. I think we're seeing a little of both that today in this day and age we're seeing that on the news that chaos is celebrated, things that are unholy are celebrated and lauded, and things that are righteous and pure are chastised, were shielded and put down. So this is not a common thing, it's been going on forever. In fact, uh, since you know, times of the Bible, these things have been happening. But this Psalm in particular, unlike others, is ask, actually it's called a, a meschil. Meschil, I'm not quite sure how to say that, but it's a teaching psalm, Psalm 37 is a teaching psalm. Some are songs, some are just songs of praise, they're all songs, but this one in particular uh, is a teaching psalm. So with the backdrop of the wicked flourishing and prospering and the righteous afflicted, let's begin with the text in verse one. And let me back up for one second. This is of David. He wrote this song, uh, and it was written in his his late years. He was older when he wrote this. So you can imagine that David had been through quite a bit, and so his experience perhaps spoke into this as well. So let's begin with verse 1. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, be not envious of wrongdoers. Well, let me go ahead and stop right there, okay? And if you're taking notes tonight, we're going to be going through a total of six precepts or six commands that the Lord gives us specifically in times like these when chaos is ruling and the righteous seem afflicted. Okay, So these are things directly from Scripture. I'm not making this. I'm not adding any eisegesis into this. It is strictly from the text and it's what we're going to see here. So the first precept is simply to fret not yourself. And fretting sometimes is spoken of as anxiety, I think in this situation to fret is also to worry, to fume, to get agitated, to claim unfairness in this particular setting. So the Lord right here says fret not yourself. Now, who are we fretting over? Well, clearly, uh, we just spoke of it a second ago, those who are glorified in this world, that are you know, the evil that's celebrated, that drives me Crazy, I, 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 get, I fret when I watch the news, I fret, but here it says not to. Um, those who promote evil in the streets, we see it all the time and, and laud what's happening, I fret because of that, I know I'm not supposed to. Um, perhaps even a government that is not where it needs to be, I fret over that, to be honest with you. Um, and we're not supposed to fret, You're correct, we're not supposed to fret. And here's why. Let me give you the reason why. Let's move on to verse number two. Here's why. For they will soon fade like grass and wither like the green herb. Well, there's your answer right there, why not to fret? Who wins the battle? Right, right. Who will be judged? Not us. So for us, because they will wither like grass or they will fade like grass and wither like a green herb, that gives us a peace that we just don't need to really worry about these things. You know, it may frustrate us, but it's not ours thing to, to carry, okay? Uh, God's judgment is swift and final for those who deny Him. However, those who are in Christ have the hope of eternal life, that's us, the righteous, and eternal life with Christ, in fact. Um, we will not fade away, nor will we wither. See, this is this distinction between the evil and the righteous. That's clearly written out here. The righteous clearly will be sustained and will live, whereas the unrighteous, the evildoers, they'll be gone. And so that's the analogy it gives, and that's the reason why we're to fret not. So the first precept, again, is to fret not yourself because we know the end game. We know what happens. It's not really ours uh, to, to venge, okay? Let's move on to precept number two. And this is in verse three, trust in the Lord. But I'm gonna stop right there, okay? Because that's actually the, the second precept is to trust in the Lord. And we hear this quite a bit, trusting in the Lord. I love this little quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, faith cures fretting. I like that, faith cures fretting, it really does right? So that's addressing what happened in the first first precept is to fret not. But what cures that? Well, the knowledge of the fact that we know who wins, but in addition to that, faith cures fretting, right? Faith in the Lord brings clear vision, a sight that looks beyond the present and onto the future. Is there a story in the Bible in the New Testament that comes to mind when that talks about keeping our eyes on Christ? Anybody remember that? Well, yeah. Peter, Peter? yeah. Okay, so what happened with Peter when he, was, when he stepped out of the boat and his eyes were on Christ and he was walking on the water? But the minute he looked down at the current, current situation, the current, what was happening around him, down he went, right? So what a great analogy there. To trust in the Lord because faith cures fretting but and, and keeping our eyes on Christ and trusting in the Lord keeps us from sinking. All right? So the second precept found there is trusting in the Lord. Let's continue on. It says, trust in the Lord in verse 3 and do good. Well, what does do good mean? Well, I would hope we know that. <laughs> It's Psalm 37, yes. Uh, So in Psalm 37, verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. True faith is active obedience, right? It's actively doing things. It's not just, yeah, I've got faith, but it's actually having a faith that allows us to get up and move and to do things that are good, okay? Focus on activities that glorify God, and those will drive away fretting." It's often said that it's hard to sin when you're reading the Word of God. <laughs> so if we occupy our time with things that are of the Lord, serving, ministering to people, focusing on things that matter of eternal value, oftentimes that will also cure the fretting and will also show our faith in the Lord. So that's, that's the end to do good part. So I love this verse, this, this whole one in its entirety. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land, and befriend faithfulness. Well, let's look at dwell on the land. I, I love going, I love going section by section. Because I went through the Psalms about a year and a half, two years ago, and I did, a, I did a chapter each each day and just really journaled it. It was on recommendation from Greg, Pastor Greg, and, and, and it was just the most rich, rewarding experience because every single one has something that you can take away and, and you can actually go verse by verse and, and with commentary, you can really get to the meaning of certain things. And so rereading this, uh, this past couple weeks, I actually uh, dug in a little deeper and to find out what things really mean and what the context was. So uh, it says, dwell in the land. Uh, to me, this verse in its entirety is calming. It's an oasis in the chaos of today's world. So it says, trust in the Lord and do good and dwell in the land. In other words, rest where you are. We know what's going on around, but if we're in the land of contentment in Christ, oftentimes that'll bring that peace, okay? And finally, it says, and befriend faithfulness. It's the last part of verse 3. Feast on faithfulness, rest in His promises, for He will protect, clothe, and feed us, because He is the Good Shepherd. So this sets up this beautiful picture, just this I mean, you could just take this one verse, and just dwell on this verse right here. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell on the land and befriend faithfulness. And the, the whole thing is this sanctuary. It's this calming thing of contentment in the Lord, putting your faith in the Lord, doing activities that are related to the Lord to, to glorify Him and settling in where you are and befriending faithfulness. In other words, just feasting on on him and resting in his promises. I love that. It's probably one of my favorite little verses there. So precept number one was to to uh, fret not. Precept number two, or command number two is to trust in the Lord. Now we're gonna move on to precept number three. Let Let me read the verse here. This is a very often quoted verse. Sometimes people don't necessarily know what it means. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Let me read that one more time. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. So, what exactly does that mean, to delight yourself in the Lord? Well, let's first look at, maybe in contrast, what it means to delight yourself in the world. Okay, so maybe that will give us a a broader understanding of what it means to delight delight ourselves in the Lord. Um, to delight yourself in the world, obviously, we see that on television, we see it on you know, movies, we see it uh, in the news, we see it in the protests, we see it in well, some protests anyway. Some are, some are pleasant and some are not so pleasant. Carnal behavior, the love of money perhaps, praising evil, idolatry, those are things that are uh, delighting in the world. But we are to delight, the thing about it is, it says delight in the Lord, but what if we were to delight in the, in the Lord with the same fervor and commitment as, the, as, as people delighted in things of the world? What if we did that? What if we delighted in His mercy, in His Word, His attributes, His grace, His perfection, His strength? Those are the things that we are to delight ourselves in or to find our, our solace in and to celebrate it's so easy in this day and age with all the, everything there is to distract us, the media, the movies, the news now, the hurricane coming, the COVID-19, uh, everything. I think we really need to, well, we're commanded here actually to, to, to delight ourselves in the Lord. That means to celebrate Him above all, right? And when we do that, what does he do? What promise will he, will he do? Will he, uh, will he uh, accomplish? And in fact, if we, if we read this as it should be written, we delight, it's like an if then. So delight yourself in the Lord, and then he will give you the desires of your heart. That's actually how it's written. Now, the desires of our heart. typically, if we're truly delighting ourselves in the Lord, are going to be in line with with what he wants, right? So, people who truly delight in the Lord, they'll desire the things that bring glory to God. So, it's not like, delight yourself in the Lord, and guess what, he's going to give you whatever you want. You know, he'll give you the things of, he'll give you the new Maserati you wanted, you know, because you're delighting, well, we know that's not what it means. So, these are deep desires, not just casual wants. They're not things of the flesh or the body, but they're things like we desire to please the Lord, we desire to obey His commandments, to have grace on people that are hard to have grace with, having boldness to stand for Christ. Those, are the, those should be the desires of our hearts. So That's actually a teaching verse right there. When we delight ourselves, when we lift the Lord up to where He should be in our lives and we celebrate Him more than anything else, then naturally the things that we're going to want are going to be the things that glorify Him. So it's pretty clear. So no wonder that's a a wonderful command or precept. He says, delight yourself in me. And that's why. Because when we do that, then the things that we naturally want will glorify Him. Okay? Now in contrast, let's kind of hold, hold, hold yourself. Actually, you know what? I do want to go back, no, never mind, we'll, we'll stay forward. Um, hold that place in Psalm 37, let's turn to Romans 1.18 because I want to do a contrast here. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. So I'm going I'm I'm to read this, but in the context I want to read this in, is remembering the verse we just read, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. So the word give, He will grant or give. Keep that in mind. I like to read something that sort of is in contrast with that. Uh, just follow me along here. Verse 18, chapter, Romans chapter 1, verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. they became fools and exchanged the glory of a mortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in their lust of their hearts and impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. And we'll stop right there. And it continues to say that two more times, God gave them up. So in, in, in contrast, to delighting ourselves in the Lord and God giving us the desires of our heart, we need to, it's almost a stern warning when you're in Romans here about the evil that it's clearly being talked about in Psalm 37, the wicked, what will happen, what, what God will give those people, right? So God giving them up really means two things. He's basically, in fact, when you read that, it says, God give them up to their evil desires, and we're looking at the word give here in contrast with what God giving us, the desires of our heart. It's actually a judicial term in the Greek, in Romans. It's a handing over of a prisoner to his sentence, okay? And that's where we don't wanna be, but that's what's gonna happen to these evildoers that we're talking about in Psalm 37. Um, When the world abandons God, discontinues delighting themselves in Him, which they clearly did in that passage, He will abandon them or give them up in two ways. First being he removes his restraints. Sin will have its consequences. That's an immediate thing that, that will happen here on earth with the evildoers. Secondly, uh, he gives them up the fi- with the final divine, divine judgment for those who reject him. So I just kind of wanted to put that in there. It's, it's, I like to contrast things. So we as believers and the righteous certainly want to delight ourselves in the Lord because then he'll give us the desires of our heart. And then what we don't want to don't see happen is for... God, to give us up to our own desires, and that's what happens to the unrighteous. So, that was a little sidetrack bunny trail there for you. So, let's move on to precept number four, and that's found in verse five. It says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. Well, let's look at commit your way to the Lord. That's the actual precept number four, to commit your way to the to the Lord. Okay? Again, this is another if-then promise. It says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. So if you do this, He will do this. So precept number four is to commit your way to the Lord. Commit your way as one who… Here, I love this. This is a quote from uh, William de Bourgh. He was an Irish um, theologian, probably 1850s, He says, commit your way as one who lays upon the shoulder of one stronger than himself, a burden which he is not able to bear. I love that. So we've gone from from don't fret to trust in the Lord, to delight yourself in the Lord, to commit your way to the Lord. In other words, what you can't handle after maybe doing those things, you've just got to let go of. You've got to give it to someone who can carry the weight because... We certainly can't. You know you come to that tipping point where you're so frustrated and you're trying to do, do, do the best you can, but there comes a point at which we need to commit our ways to the Lord. We need to give Him what we cannot carry. If you could, keep your place in Psalm 37 there, but just go over to Psalm 55. Psalm 55. And we're going to look at verse uh, 22 and 23. Psalm 55, verse 22 and 23. It says, cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. And th- that's talking about us. Us. Right, hopefully, and then move on. But you, O oh God, will cast them down. Them being again the people we're talking about, the unrighteous, the evil, the chaos that's going on. You will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days. But I will trust you. But I love that the way there's there. There you go, right there again. It's it's that contrast between the righteous and the unrighteous. What happens with the righteous, the Lord instructs us to cast our burden upon Him. He will sustain us and He will never permit us to be moved. I love that's beautiful. It ties so nicely into that verse there. So we need to, on a daily basis, cast our cares upon Jesus. When we do so and we trust in Him, and that's the that's the 5B that it says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him. Again, it repeats that, you know. It says, when you trust in Him, um, He will act. And that's pretty clear. I love that. It's just sort of, sort of a, you know, if you do this, I'm going to do this, period. It's, we have to trust this. This is God's Word, right? So it's beautiful. Well, let's move on to precept number five. That's found in verse 7. But we're gonna stop, we're gonna stop at the first part here. It says, be still before the Lord. Okay? Be still before that's gonna be the the fifth precept is to be still before the Lord, if you're writing this down. Let's if you can again hold that Psalm thirty-seven there and turn to Psalm forty six, ten. Psalm forty six verse ten. Just a cross-reference here. I love how when Scripture affirms Scripture, I love to show that. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. It's a wonderful verse. It's, It's a verse of victory. It's a verse of us again knowing who the victor is in the end. And it says, just be still. Don't do anything. There's a, t- there's a time when we do need to stand and we need to be vocal and we need to proclaim the Lord's truth, but there's also a time just to, just to be still, just to not do anything. And that's, that's a, it's a, it's a wonderful precept, is to be still. And I, I like that verse because it gives me two questions in, the, in that verse. Psalm 4610, if you were to ask, The first question, who will be exalted among nations? Well, God will. That's right. Who will be exalted in all the earth? God will, right? To me, that's enough encouragement and reason to be still and be quiet. That's all we have to do sometimes. So therein lies a reason to fret not, to trust, to delight, to commit, and to be still. And we'll move on to actually the sixth precept, and to wait patiently. To wait patiently. So again, verse 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Well, that's hard, isn't it? To wait patiently? I don't like to wait. How long do we have to wait? How long do we have to tarry? How long do I have to watch the news and see that they're winning, it seems, Well, this may be very well one of the most difficult things of all the commands that, that we've gone through so far is waiting. You don't have to turn there, but Isaiah forty thirty-one says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. So why do we wait patiently? Well, we're commanded to. But beyond that, what allows us to do is, is to rely on his strength. Again, when you cast your burden on him, we're relying on his strength. When we wait patiently, it just says it right here. We'll renew our strength. So waiting in the Lord creates, no, sorry, excuse me, waiting the Lord allows God to reveal his strength in the situation, not ours. When we step back and we wait, you know, we're all in experience a time of waiting right now, right? We're waiting, we're waiting for where, where might we have church next week? Where might we have church next month? Where are we going to be in five years? We're waiting for this virus to do what? You know, who knows? We're waiting for the turmoil, political turmoil to settle down. We're waiting for everything, you know, but we're to wait sometimes because it allows God to reveal His strength and to reveal His plans. And it also, it says, as we wait for the Lord or excuse me, as we woo for him, my notes here, uh, and his, it'll allow his timing to work. So sometimes our timing is not God's timing. So that's one of the difficult things for me is that when I want things to happen or I want to see things happen, waiting on the Lord, I have to submit to his timing. And it always works out well. But that's another reason we need to, to, uh, to learn to wait patiently on the Lord. Well, let's continue on. And continue actually in that verse, it says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Um, We've already hit precept number six. Look at that. Now, I did have one extra precept. I don't know if I have time tonight. I might hit it, but let's just just move on here. Um, Let's finish reading verse seven. I'm going to start again. Be still before the Lord. Okay. And that was precept number five. Wait patiently for Him. That's precept number six fret not over your over fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way over the man who carries out evil devices then we're back to square one this is the whole reason if you read the whole psalm you'll see that we're just going to chapter verse 7 there but the whole psalm really, addresses the wicked and it addresses what's going on and the frustration of why they're winning and why it seems like they're getting favor. It says, but it, but it kind of wraps this up nicely here. We kind of go back to the beginning where it says fret not. So it wraps it up, fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way or over the man who carries out evil devices. So we see both of that going on today, right? So as we watch the wicked prosper, the lawlessness go unchecked, the evil one's flourishing, what are we to do? How do we remain loyal? Now, obviously we've answered those questions and I'm going to review this in a second here, but I I do want to touch on one final precept and it was really something that I was going to do pretty much an entire study on at one point, but it's kind of one that I I want to just hit real quick. I'm not going to go into detail on it, but look at verse 8. Maybe I didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want to hear this. <laughs> refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to, do, to evil. Well, that, I would say that's probably the little extra bonus precept in there that I'm not going to go fully into tonight, but it's pretty clear there that we're to refrain from anger. Sometimes I see the news and I get angry. And sometimes I see cities being burned and statues being pulled down unknowingly, even ones that aren't don't mean anything, and I, I get angry. I must be cautious. I'm not prepared about, I didn't do a study on this part here, but I think it's common sense. Uh, I think that there's a righteous anger that I think I, I find myself having, that when we see evil, things that are occurring that are, that are anti-God, that are anti-God's glory, that make no sense, that are evil, I think there's a certain amount of righteous anger that we can have. We know there's a righteous anger displayed when when Jesus went into the temple. I don't think he was peaceful about it. I think he was upset. But I think we need to be careful with where we take that anger and how far we let that anger churn in our bellies, you know, and how much we, we let that I'll, you know, temper what we say on Facebook, or temper how we talk to someone in a store. So, I think righteous anger is acceptable. It's good to you. You must be angry at evil, but I think we need to be careful on how far we take that. And so, uh, maybe the next time I, if I have the pleasure of speaking, I know uh, next week we're back into Revelation. But um, I like to do a little further study because there's a couple more precepts in here. But I wanted to hit these these top six right here that we started with. So, so back to the question, how do we remain loyal? We kind of started this with our loyalty to Christ. We're loyal by keeping His precepts during these times. These are commandments. It's actually a teaching psalm. So He's saying, do these things, these six things we want to do. The Word of God speaks to us clearly. Some people wonder how God speaks to us. They think, well, maybe He speaks in dreams and maybe He speaks in visions. Well, I do know how He, I can guarantee how He speaks to us and that's right here. The word of God. There's no question in my mind. You want to know how God speaks? Here it is. So God speaks to us. He's given us these precepts for, these, for times such as these. And this psalm in particular offers us a way to bear the weight of this world by casting it on Him. So, to conclude, we are to fret not, number one. Why? Why? because we know who wins. We know what happens to the evil in the long run, right? And we know we we have a security in what happens to the righteous. Number two, we are to trust in the Lord. We need to have faith by keeping our eyes focused on Him and not of this world, not of things going on around us, not of the news, not of this and that. Keep our eyes focused on Him. Number three, third precept, we must delight ourselves in the Lord. We need to focus on the things that align with His desires because our desires will then become His desires or His desires will become our desires. Our desires will be anything that glorifies Him. That's the third precept. The fourth precept or commandment is to commit our way to Him. Boy, sometimes that's needed. We need to cast our cares on Him, the ones that we just can't carry, the ones that we just can't seem to, wrestle down ourselves. We should cast all of our cares on them, but right here it says clearly it's a commandment to do it, not just a recommendation. The fifth commandment or precept is to be still before him. That's hard in times like these where, where, where things are vying for your attention every split second if you let it. But sometimes just to be still and to know that we don't have control over some things Sometimes it's a really good place to be. Just be still, just let him do his thing, He'll, it'll be okay. We don't have to fight every battle we have on earth here. And number six, the last precept that we talked about tonight, is to wait patiently for him. His timing is perfect, not ours. And I think we also are waiting patiently for him because we know he's returning soon, soon and very soon. I don't know when, I hope it's sooner than later, but we're to, we're to wait patiently on him for the battle that's here on earth, the battle that's going on that we can't see, and we're to wait for his return. Amen? Amen, Amen. let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for these, uh, the psalms that were written, Father, as joyous songs, Lord, And we we also thank you for the Psalms that that are written, that are uh, teaching moments, Father. Uh, The precepts and commandments that are here clearly lay out what we are to do during times like these, Lord. And Lord, I ask that each and every one of us take these six commandments that we learned or commands that we learned tonight and can somehow apply these to our lives this week, Lord. It was challenging for me, Father, as I went through these, uh, even just a couple of them. But, but Lord, if we can just take something away tonight, that we need to really be focusing on what you would have us do during times like these, Lord. I think it's clear we, we wonder what to do. It's, it's we get upset and angry with with, with go- what's going on in the world and feeling like the this remnant that's left are are being persecuted, Lord, and. And, uh, and, and the evil is just flourishing and winning, Lord. And, and right here in your scripture, Lord, it tells us what to do specifically in times like these. We don't take these lightly, Father. Lord, be with uh, all those who are here tonight and those who are watching online at home. Keep them safe. Protect them, Lord. Those in our body who are struggling and, uh, with, with illness, Lord, I, I pray that your, your healing hand upon them, Lord, that you touch them, Father. Bring them back to us safely and fully, Lord. And keep us safe as we travel home tonight. We ask all, things, all these things in your name, Father. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <laughs>